Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, on today's episode, we'll be speaking with Nitin Jolka, who is a group product manager at LinkedIn. And on today's episode, he's going to be sharing with us how he got his very first product manager job in just five weeks. And the reason I thought this would be a very interesting topic for many of the listeners of this podcast is because one, uh, many of you have expressed an interest in tech and specifically in product management. And two, uh, what's really great about this episode with Nitin is that he shares a lot of very specific details on all the things that he did to make this transition happen. So I think this would be very helpful to any of you who are interested in moving to product management and also broadly speaking, making a switch to any job function because a lot of the things that Nitin did are applicable in general as a strategy to apply for making a switch to a different job. So I hope you'll find this discussion helpful. And of course, as a reminder, if any of you haven't had the chance to leave a review for the podcast, please do so. You can do that on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the podcast. But reviews really help. It helps us figure out what you think of the podcast and also helps other people discover the podcast. So please do leave a review. Of course, if you haven't signed up for our newsletter yet, you should. Uh, you can do that on our website, learneducatediscover.com. On the newsletter, we share updates on new episodes as well as other career resources. So do subscribe if you haven't already. I should also point out that Nitin has written a very good LinkedIn post on the same topic. And I've linked to it in the show notes for this episode. So do check it out if you want to. In that post, Nitin shares all the steps that he took to make the transition to product management. And he also links to a lot of resources that he used. So I think it's a very good post. And it could be an interesting thing for any of you who are interested in this uh, to check out. So I've linked to it in the show notes. And uh, with that, let's now go ahead and listen to Nitin. Nitin. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for making time for this. And thank you, especially because you said yes to the podcast. And I literally just cold mailed you because I saw your post on LinkedIn, which by the way, is really, really good, very detailed. So thank you. Oh, yeah, of course. So uh, I was thinking that maybe we can start with you just quickly introducing yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do right now? Sure. Uh, I'm a group product manager at LinkedIn and my team is responsible. So I'm part of LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, LMS, and my team is responsible for campaign manager and the our APIs. Okay, I see. And you've been with LinkedIn for how long now? So been with LinkedIn for four years and uh, just a little bit more about campaign manager. That's That's the flagship tool that advertisers use to come on to LinkedIn and post ads in our native platform. Okay. And so uh, you've been in product management overall for, for a long time now, right? About five years. Five years, yeah. So you got your job at a startup and then you and then the startup was acquired by LinkedIn. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So can you also share a little bit about your background and your career path 
up until the point that you started thinking about moving into product management? Sure. So uh, lifelong technologist, like even in high school in the 90s, I was working on technology, programming, building websites, and I started, majored in computer science and psychology, became very passionate about education policy and education technology. So I was blogging about that in parallel, worked in consulting, and my family business was an IT hardware software services business in Cleveland, Hmm. uh, selling to K through 12 schools and state and local governments and law firms. And so decided to get my MBA in order to join my family business in Cleveland to use that as a platform to improve education through technology. So then I joined an incredibly challenging situation. Eventually, I I basically got operational responsibility for about a 50-person business managing IT service delivery, sales, marketing, product management. We had a long, challenging journey, ups and downs, uh, spun off a part of the business into its own uh, education technology SaaS company, tried to launch some products internally that uh, maybe didn't go as well as I wish they would have and was, you know, got a lot of scars, but learned a lot mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. Eventually was ready to exit and look for my next opportunity. And that brought me to, you know, starting the search. Yeah. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like that the, the family business that you were running, I mean, in a lot of ways, it gave you this experience of running this entire thing, which is similar to what a PM does from the point of view of his or her product. But it's it, it wasn't a traditional tech company that you would think about, at least in Silicon Valley, right? Oh, Come, yeah, that's completely true. It was It was an incredible learning experience because I was responsible for getting more leads or running the online advertising or selling the deal or building the cost accounting system or, you know, the management, the project, the HR. So yeah. what it gave me was a super broad understanding of business, general business management. And then revenue was not going up as a result. And the unemployment was quite high in the Midwest, middle of the Rust Belt. There's also a downturn, mm-hmm. economic downturn right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So the business reality and pressure and stress that I faced in that, I think, really mentally prepared me really well for the pressure of, you know, the product management career. I also found amazing mentors. Like, I was searching for mentors left and right, whoever could help me. And finally, I found someone who is incredible. And he told me, time to get out of the mentor shopping business and into your business. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he really turned me around in terms of focusing on business impact above beyond anything else. Yeah. But what got you interested in product management and product management in tech? So I, I didn't know that the role product management existed because I was just working on this business, trying to improve education. I mean, that was my true north, my mission. Mm-hmm. But when, I, when I, I knew I wanted to change, and the first thing I got interested in, as a matter of fact, was LinkedIn. I saw a job description about LinkedIn and then got super interested in the company, read our 10Ks and 10Qs, and was just super passionate and thought that that would be an incredible company to work for and a great opportunity. And then I started to call people in the industry. What does business operations do? What does business analytics do? What does business dev do? Hmm. What does product management do? And through 
you know, probably 20 to 30 discovery calls. It was only through that process that I started to learn about the field of product management where I decided I absolutely want to be a product manager, um, ideally at LinkedIn, but uh, didn't, I didn't meet the profile necessarily for the mm. big, you know, the big tech companies at the time. So, so ended up going to a startup. But these are actually, you made a bunch of really good points. So one, uh, what, what is it that stood out to you about product management? Like, why did you pick PMing over, let's say, business analytics or biz ops or something else? A lot of, from from what, from talking to when interviewing the different people, it was I related to them the most. I got most excited when talking to them when I heard about the background. Oh, you need a mix of technology, a mix of business and design. I didn't have as much background on, but I had read enough about it to be fascinated and wondering if that's something I could learn more about. And so. It just seemed very cross-functional. And I loved reading about how you get into the like all the little, little details of it all the way up into the strategy. So it, how it spans from the top to the, you know, the copy or the pixels on the screen. It was just a very, you know, reading about it was very inspirational. Mm. Uh, interestingly enough, like I've advised probably hundreds, maybe up to a thousand <laughs> people since that time. And I, I do think I love the career of product management, but I also think in a sense, it's a little bit on a pedestal. Like I think <laughs> like my perspective today would be we need product oriented leadership in all the different functional areas. But me five years ago was just, I must be a product manager at all costs. <laughs> okay. All right. And then another interesting thing that you said is that your profile at that time was not necessarily suited for what a big tech firm was looking for. So you went for a startup. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what do you think? What's a good PM profile for a big tech firm? I mean, I think uh, like this is you know very much my personal view, not representing anything else. But I think I think product management it, it can be very a very risky role to fill because it can have a lot of leverage. It can impact the morale of the team, the investments that we're making, the strategy. Um, building breakthrough products in a break, you know, in a in new industry or any industry can be very impactful to driving the business forward. And so I would say, you know, again, for me personally, like the great profile is someone who's experienced in product management, deep experience doing it, has been in that line of fire in a, say, consumer tech company uh, combined with the the industry expertise, so they know the domain super well and, and have insights, unique insights into it, and then combined with the cultural and behavioral fit. And so, you know, at the time I had done more general management and yeah. while I had product managers under me, it was not in the consumer tech sort of yeah. way. Like, I don't know if I would have hired me yeah. necessarily yeah. five years ago. Yeah. No, it's interesting that you say this and I want to get into your job search after this. But I think a lot of people assume that it is the other way around because a large company has the resources to train people on the job. Like things tend to move slightly slower so they can dedicate two to three months to training you, whereas a startup would presumably want you to hit the ground running. So they are the ones who will look for people who are, who've already had some experience. So it's interesting that you say this. So I actually think there are a few more things to come into play there. So yeah. 
one of the ways I think about this that I got advice and so is think about supply and demand. Hmm. So you, you take like a big tech company and look at how many product manager candidates they might be getting, say, per day. I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just, just to throw a number out there, let's just say that a big tech company is getting 100 candidates per day for one opening. Some startup that very few people have heard of might only be getting 100 candidates total for one opening while still competitive in both cases. I think, like, where can I most uniquely contribute and where do the supply and demand, you know, meet where I could, you know, have the highest likelihood of success? I would say kind of the smaller, lesser known companies would be more willing to take the risk. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. All right. So then let's talk about your job search uh, process. So what what was your first step? So you decided that, hey, you know, I want to become a product manager. That's the role that I like. What was your first step then in your job search process? Yeah, so, you know, a part of my story I didn't mention is married. I have two kids now and I have, I had one at the time, a one-year-old. And so, and we owned a house in Cleveland. So it, the first thing, as, as soon as I started studying it, I realized it would be an extremely focused, rigorous process to try to break in, change geographies, change industries, change functional you know, areas into, to go into product management. So I'm like eternally grateful to my wife and family mm-hmm. for uh, she agreed to move in with her parents for five weeks oh, with wow. our one-year-old. Okay. And I moved to, uh, you know, I actually found some friends, you know, cause, you know, family to try to stay on their couches for five weeks. I just bought a round trip ticket for five weeks <laughs> with the mission of I am getting a product management job. So that's, that's kind of how yeah. it started. Hmm. And then do you want me to tell you kind of where I took it from there? Or do you have any clarifying questions? No, I mean, I think what is super impressive is that one, I mean, clearly, you had really, really made up your mind, because then, you know, your wife moved, and you decided to move here in person. So you stayed with your friends. Is there a reason you picked five weeks? Because you bought a round trip ticket. So you sort of <laughs> made it time bound. So why why five weeks? <laughs> I think I wanted like months probably, but I had a one-year-old. I mean, I don't know if you have kids or others who who have kids, but it's a, it's a very big deal to be away for like a night or a weekend when you have a one-year-old, you know, child, first child. So I think somehow that, that I'm sure it was some negotiation of like, I really need the runway in order to land it, but I can't be away. I mean, my, my daughter, I think she's getting very, very sad. And so, you know, (laughs) five weeks sounds, sounded about right to me. I see. But I think it's good that you had this sort of time pressure because otherwise, you know, if you're going through a job search process, you can drag it out for a very long period of time. So in some ways, this puts some sort of a deadline to the whole thing. And maybe you were more productive than you would have been otherwise. It was a little crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend I, five <laughs> weeks. It was crazy. Yeah. But it, it, I got so lucky and I'm so grateful for, you know, Bizzo giving the opportunity. So I, now I just want to go through some of the key things that you talk about in your LinkedIn post. So you mentioned the first thing that you did was instead of spending a lot of time handpicking companies that you think would be a great fit for you, you started out with casting a very wide net, but you didn't go ahead and apply to them directly. You just selected a whole bunch of companies to start talking to people. 
in. So talk a little bit more about that. What was your thought process behind yeah, that? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Okay. So basically, uh, very early on in the process, uh, I got good advice from someone who said, your metric should be the number of meetings you get. It's not about anything else. You're not trying to apply or get offers. It's just get the meetings. And, you know, I have a tendency, I'd want to really study and investigate deeply before I ask even for 30 minutes or an hour of time. Um, but this person really flipped it on, on its head. And so I, I did a, a ton of research on Crunchbase and just would research, what does the company do? Who were they funded by? And does it sound interesting to me? I quickly realized that B2B, business to business, was more interesting to me than B2C. So like, for example, I would, you know, LinkedIn is more appealing to me than Facebook like, yeah. as like an example. So I, I came up, researched the VCs, everyone who they're funding, come up, read, you know, hundreds of those profiles, read the websites, read the case studies, watched the videos online, tried out the demos of the products. And through that process, kind of trusted my gut and intuition of, hey, wow, that's exciting. I could see that becoming really big. Mm. Um, or something I could really care deeply about, or it resonated personally with me. So in the case of Bizzo, for example, where I ended up, our company, it was an existential thing for us for if do we get enough leads, do we get enough sales? And so this idea of helping marketers drive more leads, and you know, I was using these systems myself, I think there's a big opportunity there. So it was like a, it was personal. But I did cast a very broad net. I mean, I think I had 60 target companies and then I used LinkedIn to research who are my first degree connections, second degree connections to each of those target companies. Hmm. And then through that, I think probably had 150 or so second degree connections that I wanted to connect with at some set of my target companies and then started making my way down the list, asking for intros. My metric was more meeting. Just ask, you know, yeah. try to make it as easy as possible for the person I'm asking the intro to to forward it along and ask me to make the introduction and, you know, tapped in every favor of every person yeah. I've met and was able to start getting the pipeline going and, and then just getting those meetings. So this is like, I have a bunch of questions, but just to make sure I understand. So you initially looked at a bunch of VC websites to identify companies that could potentially be interesting. And you did that by quickly looking at their products, seeing their demos, seeing which one sort of connected with you in some way. And then you started looking for meetings with people at these companies. So two questions there. One, what was your goal behind these meetings? Yeah, it was it was to learn more. It was is to better understand the business, the opportunity, and to share more about myself and what I'm trying to do and ask for advice. That, and that is generally like I usually would prepare my own mini agenda before each meeting. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'd, I'd love to learn more about what you do. What's what's the opportunity? How are you tackling it? That. To like just what is their personal story? How did they break into it? Like just get to know them to some extent and then let them know what I'm doing. Like, hey, I have this, you know, I'm trying to break into work in product management in the Valley. I have a list of companies I'm really excited about. Hmm. And 
this is the approach I'm taking. Does that kind of make sense to you? Any advice, any feedback? And, Interesting. you know, sometimes it would be like, nice to meet you. Bye. Yeah. And like <laughs> other times they're like, no, we do have openings. And I, the other metric I had in my head was I'm going to get to 100 rejections. So if I could get to, to 100 rejections and just trust the process, you know, I would hope that some of them would work out. And sometimes I got interviews, sometimes I got rejected. Sometimes they were like, sorry, we're not even going to consider you. Sometimes I didn't even ask because I knew it was like a non-starter, but a handful, you know, let me go through the rounds with them. So this is interesting. So do you think your approach maybe made it easier for people to say yes to meeting you? Because it wasn't like, hey, you know, this person is looking to apply to my company or it's not like he wants something. He's just looking to looking for my advice in general. So do you think that had a role to play in just people being comfortable talking to you? Oh, absolutely. If I, if I think if I went in saying, hey, I'm looking to work with you at your company, I, I, I don't think it would have been as successful. I was also very genuinely in. So I didn't always get intros to the product manager, the hiring manager. Hmm. Like sometimes I remember Stripe, it was like an individual contributor engineer was the only person I knew at Stripe. So we met for coffee and had a great, and I was like, oh, what do you do? Wow. Oh, tell me more about the payments industry. And then he sends me like long papers about payments. And like, it, I was not, I was actually, it was a genuine, I am here and my focus right now is learning and understanding. Like, I know I had this target list. I know I had this ultimate goal, but my genuine interest initially was let me understand this landscape of this space that I'm exploring here. Interesting. Yeah, this is a very interesting. What are other companies? Yeah. What are other companies that are interested in this space? Who else are you excited about? Like, I, it was a genuine interest that that my process was not to get interviews initially. It was to learn. Yeah, yeah. And were you always looking for in person coffee chat sort of thing, or were you also doing phone call phone conversations? I would take all of the above. I did it. I did all of the above, but especially in the Bay Area where there's such a huge density of talent, local, you know, again, early on advice, one of my product manager friends told me like, you have to move there. There's no way you're going to break into the scene and really understand it. Like I went to generic things. I went to meetups. I went to general assembly classes. I went to you know, I, mm. I was non-discriminatory. I was just trying to build up my pipeline anyway yeah. that I could yeah. of relationships. And one interesting thing that you mentioned in your post is that you also experimented with LinkedIn ads to get intros. Is that true? <laughs> Completely true. I created a text. You just reminded me of it. I created a text ad, aspiring product manager oh. looking for X, Y, and Z <laughs> with a landing page and... I targeted towards like sets of companies targeted towards. <laughs> Did it work? You just reminded me of that. That's so funny. Did that work? Did you get any responses? No. Okay. <laughs> that would have been no, definitely. not at the time. Okay. Okay. And another thing that you mentioned is that reaching out to recruiters wasn't particularly helpful. Yeah, I think um, it wasn't. Yeah, I would say it was about 10% of my uh, interviews. I don't even know if I got 10 interviews. Uh, yeah. It was, it was maybe 10% of my leads. I 
distinctly remember one very promising interview that did come from the recruiter, but I remember feeling like cold reaching out was almost like worthless. Mm. The most valuable was even a direct connection or even a second degree connection is where I'd want the bulk of my time. And then the recruiters like were worth some of the investment, but, but not too much. Okay. And another thing that I think that you mentioned in your post is that, uh, so like you mentioned that you basically used a lot of your own personal network to get these introductions and you made it very easy for them to introduce you to, to whoever you were asking to be introduced to. So can you talk about that? How did you make it easy for them? Yeah, so at the time, my thought process was like, let them know that I'm really interested in meeting this person that's in their network. And these are reasons that I'm interested. And these are reasons why it might be interesting for them to meet with me. Like, what value can I bring back to them that they might find it interesting? trying to think of like a good example yeah, of that. Yeah, can you share so, an example? If it's someone in the marketing, advertising, you know, B2B advertising industry, it might, it might be, Hey, like here are some screenshots on feedback on, you know, how it's like something in their industry or, or here's some of my experience working with supply chain from like a personal experience. If I'm talking to someone in supply chain, like I would just think as hard as I could about anything that I could scrounge up that might be helpful to this person. Yeah. Um, And then uh, try to articulate it in an email and make it really, really lightweight and easy for the, for the person I'm asking the intro to make it easy to ask the second degree connection. Hmm. So I even ghost wrote emails for them to send along in hindsight. The way I do it today is I just want the person saying, emailing me and saying, Hey, I noticed that you're connected to X, Y, and Z would love, you know, would be interested in the intro. If you're open to making it, here's some of the things that might be the salient points related to this. And then it kind of gives me an excuse to reach out to the person and say, Oh, I met this person and forward along that email and then have like a one, two sentence. Like, Hey, hope all is well. So I think I, I would slightly alter my approach. But I think I wrote about both those in the, in the article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did mention that in the article. Okay, so then, so this was sort of your first stage, right? Uh, getting all of these introductions and doing all of these meetings to just understand the landscape a little bit better. What was the outcome of this stage? And then what was your next step? So uh, similar to the sales process, these were my leads. And uh, some set of them became qualified. They, you know, they said, we do have an opportunity. We are looking. Yeah, maybe we can talk to our, please talk to our recruiter. Hmm. And it was a small set. It was was definitely not the majority. I'd say it was a minority. And I started getting interviews. It got to a point that my pipeline was filled so much that that I actually stopped doing lead gen for myself. (laughs) I stopped trying to get more early meetings because everything was progressing to later stages, two to three weeks in. From the beginning, like I was kind of going a little crazy in terms of my interview preparation. Mm -hmm. So watching, you know, eighty six hours of Victor Cheng videos, reading it cracking the PM interview hadn't come out, but reading everything I could, like, you know, about case studies and 
uh, asking every consultant friend and every product management friend I know to practice interview with me almost to the point that they were sick of it. I don't know if they'd still want to be friends with me afterwards, but I was like really interested in preparing. And then when I, when I got the interview, like as much time as possible to prep, how can I be, you know, concisely articulate who I am, why they should be interested in me and sort of, yeah, just a ton of prep as much as I could. Yeah. And I think that, uh, like you mentioned, you mentioned cracking the PM interview, that book definitely has all the categories of things that you need to prepare for. And I, and I was looking at your post, you, you've, it, the book wasn't out, but you've basically dust upon the same things. So people can definitely check the book out mm-hmm. to understand how to do interview prep. Some things which I think will be helpful to chat about is some of this more uh, like the personal questions that can that people can ask you. So for example, one of the questions that you said, you always thought about was three reasons why we should hire you. So how would you think about this question? Yeah, that's a great question. What I suggest to the people who I talk to, as I said, I advise a lot of these aspiring product managers, is to really think hard about what unique value you bring to help an organization. Where can you uniquely help this organization? So I already used a few of these examples, but if it's if I'm talking to, say, a company that builds presentation software, then I've been, you know, six years building presentations, trying to, like, you know, fumble around with whatever the status quo the industry leaders are. And maybe I have, like, what I would view as opportunity. Maybe I could try that other one out and bring some of my personal experience and think about it. Or, you know, if it's, Again, marketing, like what are the struggles? Where, where can it be, you know, what's my experience where, where I have a couple of years under my belt? So no matter who I was talking to, again, I, I tried to think very deeply about where can I potentially add the most unique value um, to that org based on my existing experiences and skills. Okay. And you also talk about, I don't know if, if this was something which you used in your job search process, but you talk about how different companies tend to hire different kinds of PMs. So for example, you have the more technical product manager, and then you have the uh, the new product product manager, and then the analytical product manager. So A, can you describe these? And B, do you think like a candidate can use that lens when figuring out which company might be a good fit for them? Yeah. So again, five years ago, it's yeah. a little old, but I, I do think it actually still, I, I don't think it's a bad framework to think about. Like if you're, if you have a deep design background, deep design experience, deep customer empathy, think about user psychology, think about like, you can absolutely, like that could be your angle. Um, if you're a former engineer, you're very technical, but you're also business oriented and great communicator want to work cross-functionally like your angle might be that you're you're more technical than the average product manager coming in and i think the the same can be for the the analytical like oh you're just great with data and a b testing and optimizing and you know funnels and all the things so i think it's it stands and and i also probably do three maybe more interviews a week 
as part of my job on top of helping, you know, a couple yeah. people a week too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and absolutely there, you know, some people index heavily on some set of skills and the PM profession is so diverse that, uh, sometimes there's a better fit. Like we have a growth team. So in that case, like people with growth experience, very analytical focus on funnels might be yeah. a better fit versus, you know, a new, uh, startup and they don't have analytics set up and they're just getting something started in some new white space. So they might be looking for some different skill set. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be something that if you can get a sense for what kind of PM that team is looking for, you can try and highlight more of those qualities. Uh, in your profile. And so you mentioned that you do do a lot of interviews at LinkedIn. Do you see candidates making sort of like, what are the most common mistakes that you see people make? Yeah, interviews are tough. Um, One thing is like, this is like a contrived situation. So you don't know how someone is professionally until you work with them. And this is like 45 minutes of just interviewing. So you see how good of an interviewer they are. But I think some, there are a couple being concise, I would say a concise and articulate communicator, just reading who you're talking to. I I mean, I think some people I've observed sometimes are not as crisp as they could be. And, and then you sort of lose time or the interviewer again, as someone who's in meetings all day, every day, and then interviewing so many candidates, they're almost like all blurring together (laughs) because of the volume. Just being a a great communicator really, I think, can stand out. I think outside of that, self-awareness, self-reflection, like growth orientation, open to feedback, authenticity, I think uh, it's not ideal if if you feel like someone is not being authentic, but at the same time, I think people can sometimes take it too far this, to the point of self-deprecating. So like, that's not good either. Um, and then sometimes people will be great on the behavioral portions of the interviews. And then the, the case, you know, they're in a product management interview. I can almost like guarantee there, there will be a case. So, so then I've seen really great candidates and it almost seems like, it's unfair to them because they could be great, but some sets of candidates have been practicing case type of questions for year or years. And then obviously some other candidates like haven't gone through that and done that before as much or haven't taken the case preparation part as seriously. And then it comes out and there's just no way when you're, you know, that's all you have are those interviews. Like you, even if it's unfair, you kind of need to use what you have to, to make the best judgment you can. Yeah, it's it's definitely the kind of job which requires some solid prep. You can't just sort of walk into the interview yeah. and expect to get the job. So now that you look back on your on your job search process, and it was just five weeks and it turned out well, which is great. How many offers did you end up getting, by the way, in the end? How many offers? Yeah. Um, two and a half. Two and a half? <laughs> I'd say half. Well, I got you know, two official offers. And one of them, I cut the process off in the middle, because I knew I was going to choose between those last two. Okay, all right. So it may have been three offers then. But yeah, yeah. what do you think were some of the, the key things that you did? Like if you were to think about that, this was, this was something which was absolutely critical to my being successful in my job search process, 
what do you think those things would be? I think being open to feedback, like every, t- every meeting I have, every time I meet like, Oh, do you have any feedback? Any thoughts? Like genuine, genuine, like to let me know how I can do better and improve. And maybe there's an idea there. And, and I literally like I've taken this so seriously over the last decade plus, like I have like a 30 page plus document for myself of like organized feedback for myself on how I do things. And so like a super genuine openness to evolving, adapting, changing, but you know, sometimes you want to dismiss it. Sometimes it's stylistic or sometimes, you know, take it in because I think that sort of helped me do all the other ideas that came in. So, you know, again, like casting the broad net was really helpful Mm. using the VCs to, you know, crunch base, and then using that to research, they will tell you which VCs are funding which companies. That was helpful. Really focusing on getting meetings, pushing myself out of my comfort zone of like, I need to do so much prep before I meet with someone. Yeah. But not going, like I've seen people take it the other way since that time where it's like, want to set up a meeting with me. And it's like, uh, did you read what I wrote? <laughs> yeah. and it's like, No, yeah. it's like. Well, okay, (laughs) start there because then, you know, we could talk, you know, have more in-depth conversations. So I think you can sometimes do too little prep too. But I think the right amount of prep given the situation, I think practicing, uh, you know, some of the things we reading about it. Oh, and then just having a plan B. So so again, I think product management is really on a pedestal and it's great. If you really want to go for it, go for it. But like I read books about product management, but I plan to really focus on product management for the first two months. And then if that wasn't working out, I was planning to broaden like, oh, maybe I should go for consulting jobs or some other types of jobs I might be better Mm -hmm. qualified for. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think Ben Kastnok and Reid Hoffman have written about like ABZ planning and my A plan worked here, but it doesn't work for everyone. I saw some people who are on the market for six months, 12 months. And it's like, they weren't, they maybe they were changing their approach, but they weren't necessarily like, okay, maybe don't do product management yeah. where I talked to some, one of the person I talked to is like, Oh yeah, I tried product management didn't work out. And I, I had a finance background. So I just went for a finance or analytics job. Right. And like that person is so senior in a very well-known company right now. And I talked to him Hmm. when that company was like 10 people (laughs) and like he used his fine, he used his unique skill sets to be as helpful as he could. And now he's like, and and that's why I think like all the functional areas should think about being product oriented leaders and then bring what you uniquely can bring. And like, don't worry too much about the title and the role. Just be helpful. Did you like, during this search process, did you were there t- some things that you had to drastically change your approach on based on the feedback you received or change your point of view on? Almost every one of those. Initially, I was thinking, I'm really, really passionate about this small set of companies. And then you read Cal Newport, he talks about the passion hypothesis, how actually chasing your passion is not that good. Like just be, he wrote a book, be so good. They can't ignore you. Mm. Like develop your skills. So it's like, that was like a whole mindset change. Like I used to pride myself on passionate, (laughs) but Mm. I think like becoming good is really important. I think uh, initially I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pick these small companies and like do hundreds of hours and design reviews on every single page. And 
but it's like, they're like, no, cast a broad net. It's like, I really had to like challenge my own belief system to be like, hmm. okay, let me cast a broad net and go, you know, like, let me do meetings before I'm ready and before I'm prepped. Like my whole belief system was don't waste people's time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, I can think thing after thing after thing that it challenged like pretty deeply held core beliefs that I, I decided to evolve from. Yeah, no, this is this is really great. Thank you so much for sharing this story, Nitin. And uh, do you have any resources to recommend for aspiring candidates, uh, like books, articles? You've already mentioned a couple. Uh, anything else? If I were early career, um, the two books that I think would be, that I wish were written would be Startup of You and So Good They Can't Ignore You. Mm-hmm. I think those are great ones. Yeah. Okay. I think from a product management standpoint, the book Inspired is, you know, I, I really think Marty Kagan, his class, Silicon Valley Product Group, I, I have a lot of admiration for him and what his team is doing. I think design is great. Uh, so, you know, everyday design of things and everything you can read about design. I think it's, it's an amazing discipline and it's worth learning deeply if, if you're interested in the field. But I could go on and on. I actually <laughs> like try to read like a couple books a month. And then take notes and summarize them and share them with a newsletter. So like, yeah. uh, I'll pick different topics and like, so you know, depending on the domain, uh, you know, I could recommend a bunch of them. Yeah. So uh, can you talk about uh, where people can find you? And and I know you run this newsletter, so you can talk about that also if people are interested in subscribing. Just my LinkedIn profile is probably the most well developed representation of me online. So just Google my name and, and find it. And then I do have a link to sign up for the newsletter there. It's a, it's a little, it's an ugly landing page, but <laughs> uh, it does have a pretty decent, you know, thousand plus subscribers. And uh, always, if people want to subscribe, if they want to get book summaries and notes and, you know, subscribe, if you don't like it, unsubscribe. But, you know, I, I just in, uh, appreciate sharing knowledge and helping others. And that's, that's my, my pure motivation there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nitin, once again. And uh, I know that you publish articles also on LinkedIn. And uh, one thing that stands out about your articles is that they're very, very detailed. So they're highly actionable. So if anyone is interested in getting into product management or just sort of honing their chops, then you definitely are adding some good material to the vast compendium that exists today. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Really, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the conversation and all you're doing for the community. It's, it's really admirable. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Okay. All right. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. Just before you leave, do remember to sign up for our newsletter on our website, learneducatediscover.com, where we share updates on new episodes, a lot of career-oriented resources, and a lot of other inspiring stories and videos and podcasts that we find online. So do check it out at learneducatediscover.com. You'll also find the library of all the other podcasts that we've done in the past on the website. Of course, if you have any questions at all, or if you just want to say hello, you can always email us. Just drop us a mail at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. That's LED underscore C-U-R-A-T-O-R. Of course, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learneducatediscover. Or you can also subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. And until the next one, Bye-bye.